Sup, freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip, a rabbit hole recap. Early Wednesday rip for you freaks this week as we head into Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you guys thoroughly enjoy your weekend if you're celebrating Thanksgiving. If you're outside the United States, you know what? Enjoy your day too. You guys exist as well. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm thankful for you freaks. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us week in and week out and contributing for the shout outs for everything. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, from my family to yours, I'm thankful for you freaks. This rip of Rabbit Hole Recap is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash You freaks should know about them. But if you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. They're helping you sell sets, stack sets. Sell sets first. Well, that's a first. Uh, stack sets, send sets, receive sets, and sell sets, if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 sats. Because you can make sats the standard within the app. There's no more buying fractions of Bitcoin. We're stacking whole sats. $1 is only worth like 5,600 5, sats. 500, wow, that would be incredible. Incredible. Uh, 5,600 sats right now, I believe. Not even less, 5,200 around. Uh, so your, your dollar's not going a long way. You're not going to be able to stack as many sats as you used to if this trend continues. Uh, and you can do that on the Cash App again. On top of the stacks, uh, st stacking sats, like it, impulsively, you can DCA into it. So we're trying to front run uh, people front running Matt O'Dell and the people front running those people front running Matt O'Dell. So we pushed our daily DCA to 2.15 a.m. Eastern. We need to start some DCAers there. Uh, if you don't want to DCA daily, you can do it weekly or bi-weekly via the app. When you download the app, make sure you use the code StackingSats. It's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. This rip is also brought to you by our very, very good friends at Unchained Capital. They're doing incredible things to bring a security and sovereignty first mindset to uh, collaborative custody in the Bitcoin world. Uh, if you want to go from zero to multi-sig, a unchained multi-sig vault to be specific, there is a special package for you freaks. Uh, originally $1,500. If you tell them TFTC sent you, uh, you're going to get $50 off this package. And the package includes uh, a white glove concierge service that takes you from zero to a multi-sig vault in no time uh, the way it works is you uh, purchase the package you have multiple video conference calls with the unchained team to answer any of your questions about multi-sig and uh, to get you comfortable with the vault product specifically then they'll buy you a couple of hardware wallets send them to you uh, help you uh, be comfortable setting them up and then you'll create a vault and they will dump a thousand dollars worth of bitcoin in the vault so you go from zero to having a thousand dollars in an Unchained Capital Multisig Vault in no time. Tell them TFTC sent you. Save that 50 bucks and then check out all the other incredible stuff Unchained has to offer, uh, including their collateralized loan product, um, uh, their their business, uh, their multisig uh, product suite for, for businesses and a bunch of other stuff. So go to www.unchained-capital.com. We're actually going to link specifically to the White Glove Concierge Service in the show notes to so check it out there last but not least this rip is brought to you by good friends at bitcoinblackfriday.com all right the day the weekend is upon us bitcoin black friday is happening this week the day after tomorrow the day after thanksgiving uh, there's uh, hundreds of 
merchants accepting Bitcoin uh, that will be running deals of up to 50% off. Go to BitcoinBlackFriday.com to check them all out. On top of that, uh, the team from Bitcoin Black Friday, uh, which is also the team from BGC Media, which is the team from Bitcoin Magazine, which is the team from Bitcoin Conference 2021. Um, they also will have a list of, of dozens of charities that you can donate to as well if you're looking to do that. And last but not least, if you are looking to get the, the Fold Stats Back card uh, and you want to get on the early list for that, go to BitcoinBlackFriday.com and get on the uh, Fold Stats Back card list there to enter yourself into a raffle in which you could win 100 million sats, a whole Bitcoin. Fold and the Bitcoin Black Friday team have teamed up to give out one whole Bitcoin to one lucky individual who signs up for uh, the uh, early access to the Fold Sats Back card via BitcoinBlackFriday.com. So go to BitcoinBlackFriday.com, sign up that way uh, to make sure that you're entered to win that whole 100 million sat potential prize. Um, So go check it out. Again, I hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend if you're celebrating here in the United States. Uh, If you're somewhere else in the world, I just hope you're enjoying your day, you know, and... uh, Enjoy this life. All things considered in 2020, I'm thankful to be here breathing, living, uh, and taking in life in 2020. Enjoy, freaks. Tiki! You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Well, hey there, freaks. Sitting here. U.S. Virgin Islands still haven't left yet. I'm actually looking at Pedo Island right now. Matthew, how are you doing right now? What what a view. <laughs> um, I mean, we're doing this early rip half for the freaks and half for Marty. Uh, uh, no, all for the freaks. We talked about this yesterday. We realize uh, a lot of you freaks are from the United States. Most of you actually. And you may be heading home for Thanksgiving today. I hope you are. Some of you may not. Matt and I were just discussing uh, the the Thanksgiving. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Etiquette this year, or what's going? What's going I'll to be happen? having a proper Thanksgiving? Yes, Matt's going to be having a proper Thanksgiving, which is important because you, you need to be able to dunk on the the family members that that ever that ever talk down about Bitcoin. Yes, this is unlike uh, the Thanksgiving of 2019, 2018. We get a good Thanksgiving this year as Bitcoiners. We get some gloating at the table, if you will. And so that's actually why we wanted to record early. We recognize that a lot of people are commuting home. Hopefully many of you freaks are having proper Thanksgivings as well. And we thought we'd just be like the last little piece of content in your ear before you go home and chill Bitcoin to your families. So we wanted to get it out for the car ride commutes it's all for the freaks and i may go to the beach show later but we'll see the price of bitcoin a year ago was 
what, like 7,000? I'm trying to look that up right now. Well, you look that up. The price of Bitcoin right now is $19,254, according to Clark Moody's dashboard. Your sats are not going as far as they used to. The price just ticked up a little bit, and you're only getting 5,193 sats for $1. Getting expensive. Uh, what's today? November 20th. 25th. 25th. Whoa. Um, looks like the price was about yeah, $7,000 last Thanksgiving. And then the Thanksgiving before that, um, it was, we had just dumped and we were near our low. We were at like $4,000. So if you've shielded Bitcoin to your family on the last two Thanksgivings, Hopefully you shield it lightly, but not too lightly. Um, they have some really nice returns to thank you for. Yeah, they're buying uh, Thanksgiving 2018. Those sats are, are going much further now these days. They're almost a 5x from Thanksgiving 2018. Yes. I wonder what block we were at there then, because right now we're at block 658,611, 18 million five hundred fifty three thousand seven hundred forty four point one five bitcoin have been distributed to the market that's eighty eight point three five percent of the total supply that'll ever hit the market has been mined and distributed to the network uh, throughout the network utxo set size is sixty eight point two million right now we're going to go to the next retarget which is in 621 blocks blocks are coming in fast a lot of hash rate coming on the network apparently since the last uh Difficulty adjustment. Uh, blocks are coming in on average at nine minutes and nine seconds. In 621 block blocks. The difficulty adjustment is estimated to uh, adjust by 9.1% upwards. 31,184 transactions in the mempool. Uh, if you're willing to wait a week, one sat per byte. Can get through, Matthew. Let's see what happens this weekend. You see our boy Steve's uh, ambitious take on Twitter? Steve Barber? Yeah. Uh, which one? He's got a lot of ambitious takes. He said, well, specifically about one saprobyte. He said that he's under the belief, he is so bullish on Bitcoin that one saprobyte will always confirm eventually. Forever. Really? I mean, his, his insinuation where do you, where do you is have that, that take? I'm looking for it right now. His insinuation, I, I, what I took from it, his insinuation is that like one sat becomes worth so much, right? Mm -hmm. That fees are going up, but. Oh, I see it. Personally, I don't believe one sat per byte will ever be permanently priced out of that, the blockchain. That's how ultra bullish I am. I like that. Yes. One sat. I mean, I strongly disagree with you, Steve. Um, I think Bitcoin's fucked if that's the case. Why do you say that? Because, because that means that the mempool is clearing. In the, like, let's say five years, ten years down the line, that means the mempool is clearing, which means there's no transaction backlog, which means there's no consistency in minor revenue because the block reward will be going down at the same time, right? So transaction fees have to be a bigger aspect of the block reward. So if there's no consistent minor revenue then like what the fuck's like the hash rate's going to be craziness 
it's going to be fluctuating on and off you know with with how with how much transactions there are just in my head it just seems like there's all these i feel like you need a transaction backlog in that situation i guess it uh, it all hinges on uh, how many transactions not transactions how many payments can be stuffed into transactions that could potentially be stuffed into a block like imagine you had like a two week period or a month period where like miners made like no money and then you had the next month like miners made like a shit ton of money like i think you need to have like some kind of consistency there and like a backlog solves that yeah but what if you have consistent usage via th- like opening and closing of channels on the lightning network just happening at all times based on business functions that are set on cruise control yeah. I think like that's that. what you'll have. Yeah. But I, but what I that think that's why you won't be able to confirm. What? You won't be able to confirm a one sapper byte because of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Because you'll have this reserve demand, right? You'll have basically what I'm thinking is like lightning and coin joins are like these like reserve demands that like constantly have to happen. Yeah. And to be clear, I think Steve is being a little tongue in cheek with this tweet as well. Yeah, it's classic Twitter. But yeah. I thought it was a cool thought experiment, right? right? Yeah, we just played through it. And I think you're right. But did you see is Zender in the comments or whatever? He's like, I agree. Like the mempool will clear once every 10 epochs. Someone said that in the comments. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Let me see. I'm not seeing that one. Somebody getting shadow banned? Uh-oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, the demand for block spaces will will lift it off the one sap floor. But right now, if you want to send a a one sap per byte transaction, it will clear within a week, according to Clark's dashboard. Let's go over to mempool.space though and see uh, what they're saying right now in terms of mempool congestion and suggested fees. High priority, they're recommending 66 sats per byte. It's around $1.76 right now. Medium priority, 56 sats per byte, around $1.50. And low priority, 40 sats per byte, around $1.10. So if you're looking to send a transaction, and just what's being recommended by mempool.space. Matthew, how's your coffee this morning? You you awake? I'm trying. I'm... Uh... I'm I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of these morning grips. Why not? It, um, but I, anything for the love of the freaks. You don't want to get the mental juices flowing early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I my my peak bullishness is about one forty-five p.m. It, it's like I'm, I I've just eaten lunch. You know, I'm getting going. I'm ready to go. Maybe I'll, I'll crack a beer, pour some whiskey. Like I feel like that's like peak bullishness. Okay. I'm like more. In the mornings, I'm more pragmatic and reserved, uh-huh. which doesn't, I don't think, translates as well to a podcast format. Mm. Well, snap out of it. Take a sip of coffee. The podcast doesn't wait for you, Matthew. It needs, it needs high intensity at all times. What's going on with this cold card test net attack? I saw it. The guys from... Shift Crypto, the ones who disclosed yeah, it as well. They're obsessed with the cold card, man. Right. And 
it's not a big deal. Yeah, wouldn't you have? Wouldn't the cold car user be a suit or pr- trying to use an altcoin or something like that? No, if you so it's similar to the altcoin attack that happened to Ledger, right? That's Where you is. thought you were spending an altcoin, but in reality you were signing a Bitcoin transaction, and the attacker could take your Bitcoin. But cold card doesn't ex- doesn't you know offer altcoin support so what this attack is is if you are in testnet mode and you think you're spending a testnet transaction you could also be signing a bitcoin transaction in the background uh. um so this only affects cold card users that are using testnet which are pretty much only advanced users if you've been listening to this podcast i don't even believe in testnet so um if you don't use testnet, you're not affected. O- only users who are using testnet could be affected here. And if you are using testnet, you should be extra careful. Matt's and really, I think if you if you are using testnet, you should probably use it on a separate device. Um, you know, your test device and your real devices. Matt's a testnet truther. He doesn't believe in it. <laughs> you don't believe it's real? Testnet's a shit coin. <laughs> That's how you're going on a path. Like, testnet doesn't even exist. <laughs> to sigh up. <laughs> Uh, they're working on a new testnet, though, Signet, I believe. I haven't been following the developments of that too closely recently. Have you? Uh, no. But what's frustrating here is that Shift Crypto labeled it a critical vulnerability, which is like, I think you're just, you're needlessly scaring people. And if every vulnerability is a critical vulnerability, then no vulnerability is a critical vulnerability, you know? And it, it just creates this this shitty-ass climate. And really what happens is you just scare people out of hardware wallets in general. Yeah, but- you know, you're, it's not even... And, and, and there's, you know, there's all these different trade-offs at play, but at the end of the day, for 99% of people, um, they're, they're increasing their security guarantees by, by using a hardware wallet, specifically using the cold card, but using one of these one of like the top three hardware wallets. Yeah. No, I mean, we say this all the time about the, the hardware flame wars and the coin join flame wars at a certain point, they, the flame wars, and this isn't the disclosure isn't necessarily part of a flame war or anything, but the, uh, announcing it as a critical vulnerability is, uh, is leading to that. Like, uh, can we trust hardware wallets at all? And with that being said, like maybe, probably be remiss of us not to mention the fact that greg maxwell came out recently with a couple comments about hardware wallets saying he wouldn't recommend them to to friends and family that he teaches about bitcoin which is an interesting comment coming from a a very uh respected developer in the bitcoin space well i mean historically he's always felt this way um i mean i think that there's a couple things here to keep in mind is you know greg maxwell is a wizard um and he he might be you know a little bit out of touch of of what the average user is capable of doing. Um, I don't think you know expecting an average user to secure an air gapped Linux laptop is is really a um, reasonable expectation. I, I'm just trying to get them to store their own keys and, and use their own node here um, in a practical environment. Uh, and and I think complexity really usually is what fucks over people, right? It, a lot of times it's user error is what, what ends up getting you. Um, so you want to keep it simple. 
Um, the other thing is it seems like a lot of his complaints are based on the early generation hardware wallets, like the Trezor One, um, that doesn't have a secure element, um, that doesn't allow you to easily enter uh, your, your secrets directly on the device, um, that doesn't have a proper air gap, you know, using an SD card. Uh, so a lot of a lot of the concerns are mitigated in the cold card that I don't think he's really truly aware of yet. Um, another thing is like just being able to add add dice entropy to the device, so you add your own randomness with dice, so you're not trusting the the random number generator as much on the device, and you can verify those dice rolls. Um, so all these things, you know, mitigate it. You know, but uh, there's no such thing as a perfect uh, a perfect key storage method everything has trade-offs you have to balance these trade-offs and i think for the overwhelming majority of people using core plus specter plus cold card to start is probably the best setup you're using your own node it's a relatively private and secure setup pretty easy to set up relatively cheap and then you can easily upgrade to multi-sig in the future and once you introduce these without changing your software stack and once you introduce multi-sig with multiple hardware um, then you're really removing a lot of his complaints that he has listed there um, because you're reducing single hardware manufacturer risk and supply chain risk. Um, on a positive note, right now we're in the middle of Bitcoin Black Friday, uh, which I think Marty probably already read you an ad about this uh, at the beginning of this episode. But Cold Card has a big deal going on. We'll throw the ads Bitcoin in the front. Black Friday. What? I was going to say, we'll throw the ads in the front. Yeah, I figure we were. Um, Cold Card has a big deal, a bunch of deals going on for Bitcoin Black Friday. And I got Rodolfo to add a Uncle Jim's bundle, which is all the things I fucking like in one bundle. So if, if you if you've been waiting to pull the trigger, that's the bundle to get. Go check it out. Bitcoin Black Friday dot com. Yeah, I think Greg's main concern was supply chain stuff. So the further that can be alleviated. But I agree with you. Like you was that you who tweeted out? Uh, the fact that you forgot a passphrase on encrypted drives or something like that. Yeah, I have three encrypted hard drives that I don't want to throw out, but I can't access because I thought I could memorize a secure password. Yeah. What lesson did we learn? Do you still have hope that you can you should, retrieve that you password should, from your mind somewhere? You should not ever rely on your memory for any kind of of your security setup you should especially for large amounts of money um and like in this case i actually was a smart you know a a smart dude and i i thought i i was a smart dude and i backed it up three times but but all three all three hard drives all have the same passphrase i can't remember what the fucking passphrase is it doesn't even matter that i backed it up three times um i don't even have access to it and that was because I thought, I, you know, like I, I went through like I got super paranoid and I went through all the different security models. That like I can't have it written down anywhere because someone could access it. So just don't rely on your memory because one day you wake up and you're just not going to remember it. Lesson learned. Be aware, freaks. Be aware. Yeah, I don't trust my memory at all. Considering my past head injuries. I mean, and if we look at it, like the overwhelming majority of people have lost their Bitcoin that have lost their Bitcoin, they have lost it because of custodial risk, they have lost it because of user error, um, or they've lost it by these simple phishing attacks where their software tells them to put in like their private keys or seed phrase into uh, 
in a computer, a malicious computer app. Um, we haven't even seen like a widespread mobile app attack uh, for these mobile wallets, right? Like none of, I don't think that any major non-custodial mobile wallet we've seen an attack. So it's, it's completely reasonable to have discussions about really advanced threat models and, and taking security as seriously as possible and working through all these different scenarios. But it's also important to take a step back and be realistic here and be practical and realize what kind of threat models people are talking about and that the average user shouldn't be trying to protect themselves from like an NSA level attacker. Like trying to protect yourself from like the NSA takes you a whole nother step up in fucking craziness and paranoia that will probably just end up losing your coins. Yeah. Um, you just, you want to protect yourself from like an average threat, you know, an average threat model, a little above average threat model. You don't have to be like against the most sophisticated attacker ever. Yeah. You got to think like not every single one of you Bitcoiners is going to be targeted by a special ops crew looking to actually get into your, your stash. So yeah, be aware, be aware. There's trade-offs. Some people have very um, hard line positions on this, depending on your technical abilities. Um, make this decision wisely. It's not an easy one. Start taking, uh, taking control. Like we say, um, a lot like you want to take care of this stuff before things start to get crazy if we do rip into a bull run like if you're having fun now while bitcoin's at 19.2 um it'll be fun but it'll also get stressful if you haven't taken care of your your custody um sufficiently so be aware of exchange withdrawals limits all that stuff um take control now Yeah, I mean, Rodolfo uh, likes to say that you should you should prepare for a 10x in, increase in price um, and prepare accordingly because you don't want to do that while the price is ripping. When the price is ripping, like, it's super nerve-wracking. Yeah. All the stakes are, are risen, and it becomes harder to move stuff off exchange, like you said. Yeah. So be aware. Be prepared. Think about it. Can we uh, sneak in a, a Thanksgiving shill lightly tip here matt i think this is going to be the theme of today um i would say don't be the first to bring it up let a family member ask you about it bite your tongue until until a family member asks you about it. that's gonna be uncle marty's uh first tip yeah i mean i like that idea i think always show lightly um and uh you know, you know, don't you don't have to like maybe if you have like one uncle that's been a complete dickhead to you, you can dunk on him, but like don't dunk too hard. And uh, if 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 they're asking you about it, you know, I think the key is always that that no one's late yet. Where it, it's still very very early. Um, they could front run the majority of the world's billionaires still. Um, and you know, as we always say on this pod, I I would suggest like if a friend or family member asked me, I would say you know. You should basically decide how much you're willing to allocate to Bitcoin over the next year um, and then either divide that by 52 or 365 and set up a daily or a weekly stack accordingly and just set it and forget it and not even, you know, don't even try and, uh, you know, speculate on when there will be a dip and when there won't be. I like that tip as well. More tips to come throughout the episode. Um, 
And obviously, she'll the podcast. This is good news. Friend of the pod, John Newberry. And should it be a friend of the he should be a friend of the pod, but has not been on yet. Mike Schmidt. Um, they launched a new Bitcoin development initiative, Brink. Uh, John Newberry, for you freaks who are unaware, was uh, at Chain Code Labs in New York City for quite a while. Uh, co-led the uh, Bitcoin, the BitDevs meet up in New York City. And has since moved back to London, and he's starting Brink, uh, where they're going to to work to to train developers to to contribute to Core. Um, they've gotten grant money from uh, Square Crypto. Uh, who else? Kraken, Gemini, a bunch of others as well. HRF. HRF. Yes, that's the big one I was forgetting. Um, so kudos to John and Mike for attempting to educate developers um it's good to see another shop spin up create some diversity and uh basically development mind share and and development the development of developers if you will what do you think no i think this is a great uh this is a great development um great crew over there and uh, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic to see what happens here. I mean, I think uh, Steve Lee mentioned it uh, over at Square Crypto, top dog at Square Crypto, uh, mentioned that his goal, you know, from his position is he wants 10 teams of 10 people uh, funding and, and participating in Bitcoin development, which is like this nice way of doing a distributed, you know, a more distributed funding model, right? Where, where there's no centralized control. And I, I think that's like the ideal that we, sh- we should all be striving for. And it's, um, in general, I, I think it's, it's pretty amazing how we've seen this, that, that development space um, mature and expand over the last, what, like two years, three years. It's uh, been a pretty massive improvement. Yeah, 2020, 2019, 2020 the two year period of a uh, Bitcoin development funding really getting taken to another level. So shout out to John, Mike, I believe David Harding uh, is on the team there as well. Some great Bitcoiners doing great things. They all worked on uh, Bitcoin Optech as well. Um, and still are still are. Um, so if you guys aren't subscribed to Bitcoin Optech, get on it. If you want to step to the speed with Bitcoin core development specifically. We're already getting into to news that makes us angry. You got to put it this high up on the list. Chainalysis raised $100 million at a $1 billion valuation, according to the block. Or excuse me, this is Forbes, according to Forbes. Um, so it seems like Chainalysis scooping up a bunch of government contracts. It's also going out raising money. Um yeah, Rodolfo, I saw, had comments on this as well. I saw earlier on Twitter. Uh, comments that we've made on this podcast before, like if you're working at Chainalysis, working to uh, de-anonymize Bitcoin users. Is that really the best use of your skills? I mean, he called them Nazi collaborators. He likened them to IBM, helping the Nazis. Which he... <laughs> which he called IBM Nazi collaborators and then liken them to them. Um, his words, not mine. I think the freaks know how I feel about it. Um, I, I Look, I look forward to wiping out their $1 billion valuation with stronger Bitcoin privacy guarantees. 
Agreed. Maybe that's we should we could pop this up to the list because it helps uh, privacy guarantees at least at the Lightning uh, Lightning Network layer uh, on the Lightning Network. Potentially other things too. I'm not sure though if HTLCs are are used in any other context currently. Um, but short bits, team at short bits. Yesterday they announced that they released a proof of concept uh, for point time lock contracts. Which, if you listen to the episode we dropped earlier this year uh, with Ndav Cohen and Chris Stewart from Short Bits, we talked a lot about PTLCs and, and what they mean. If you haven't listened to that, go check that out. Uh, but basically, what a point time lock contract would do would replace um, the hash time lock contracts that are uh, created to enable Lightning Network channels today. And they would be, the way I understand it, um, they would be more efficient and they would add actually uh, to the privacy of transactions and routing on the lightning network because of the amount of information or the type of information that's shared between nodes along a routing path um, so it significantly help with uh, privacy and then uh, enabling like escrow like contracts and stuff like that uh, so this is something that's been talked about team at short bits has been talking about it for quite some time all year and they finally anna- announced they released a proof of concept I DM Ben the car man to get some clarification on this, so I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's live on mainnet for Eclair nodes. If they want to download short bits implementation, they can, and they can uh, flag that they're PTLC uh, friendly, and they can interact with other PTLC friendly nodes and, and open up point time lock contracts and start experimenting with that. And they're doing that with ECDSA adapter signatures right now. I believe it will be done with Schnorr once that's activated in core. Pretty cool. Shirt bits is just on the front lines here, and I kind of fucking love it. I wonder why they chose uh, Eclair. Yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting as well. Not positive. Waiting on clarification from the team. But yeah, they do. They've done a bunch of work with DLCs. They they do this, uh, this very important grunt work to little uh, fanfare actually and I think this PTLC thing will be will be pretty big if implemented in mass across um, the lightning network so interesting to see proof of concept hit the market and if um, Schnorr does get activated if it's widely adopted hopefully it adds to privacy and we can start chipping away at that one billion dollar valuation on top of that, our boy Ben, uh, the car man, is he's been he's taking the taproot flag and running with it on uh, on Twitter, and uh, providing a lot of insight for the freaks on Twitter on 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 the benefits we see from taproot and why it should be activated, uh, which is pretty great to see. Yeah, hashtag taproot week on Twitter. If you want to get a, a download on those threads, shout out to Ben for pushing that initiative. I like the uh, like the vibes around Taproot right now. We've got pools starting to signal activation, preparedness, or um, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? How they would prefer to to activate preferred activation paths. We've got Ben doing the Taproot education. It feels like momentum is strong. Hopefully we can start the activation process before price gets too crazy. If it keeps um, going down this path. So the, um, the, the 
you know, we've talked about on this podcast uh, previously that it reminds, it kind of reminds me of 2016 uh, in the previous cycle. Um, but, you know, bigger numbers and it feels more bullish. But it's kind of crazy, like all these different uh, similarities that keep popping up, right? So, like, we have the taproot activation, right? Instead of Segwit, um, which in 2016 we were fighting over Segwit. Uh, I was drinking with a buddy yesterday who I, who was one of the only guys who listened to me about Bitcoin, you know, in early on. Um, and he told me he bought $60 worth of XRP. I was like, fuck, are you fucking kidding me? And uh, the Tether Truthers came back. It's like, oh, what is old is new again. It's all, uh, it's all happening. Yeah, then Amy Castor or whatever, right? Right, uh, an article saying that Tether was driving this market. I have a buddy who should know better. Um, I'm not going to call him out by name, but he's been in Bitcoin for a fucking minute. And he texted me the other day. He's like, what's this deal with Tether pumping the price of Bitcoin? I was like, fuck. Is it, I was like, really, guys? This is a good time to break for more Thanksgiving shilling tips. What happens if your uncle tries to tell you that Ripple is the future? Matt, what do you do? Um, if anyone tells you that Ripple is cheap, XRP is cheap, just remind them that sats are cheaper uh, and you could buy about 2,400 sats for one XRP. That's cheap. Cheap AF. Uh, yeah, I would tell them, I would just look your uncle dead in the eyes and say, you're fucking stupid. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not continuing this conversation with you. And then flip the table and walk away. Yeah, I mean, it's centralized. It doesn't have censorship resistance. Without censorship resistance, there's no value prop there. Uh, is the TLDR. I mean, I think the tether truther thing is more, maybe a little bit more infuriating. And like the general premise there is that tether is, is, has fake tether and then they're buying Bitcoin with it, which increases the price of Bitcoin, which it's important to realize here that that kind of accusation could be leveled at any exchange. Like Coinbase is just buying Bitcoin with, with money they don't have, or uh, Bitstamp is buying Bitcoin with money they don't have, inflating the price. With Tether, it's actually more transparent than those exchanges because you actually see the amount of fiat balance that they're saying they have and it's traded on multiple exchanges. So if there really isn't something backing it, theoretically, people should be selling their Tether for Bitcoin and the price should uh, leave that $1 range, that $1 peg range, because it's just not backed. So there's actually more transparency with Tether than with regular fiat balances on exchanges. And to go back what we said on an earlier episode, I think uh, two weeks ago or last week, like if four guys who run Tether are able to pump the price of Bitcoin this high, like imagine what the world's billionaires can do. Right. Like that, it's like uh, the most bullish thing ever if that's the case. Yeah, and then you'd also have to deny up front that the fact that micro, like publicly traded companies... Uh, adding Bitcoin to their treasuries, more billionaires talking about Bitcoin is having no effect on the price as well. Um, to be so lazy to to say that Tether, some U.S. dollar stablecoin, is, is driving is the sole reason behind uh, Bitcoin price action is lazy. Just lazy. It just it logically inconsistent. It does not make any fucking sense. It's wrong. And um, so, yeah, you look at that ant in the eye, it talks about Tether driving the price of Bitcoin. You say, shut up, bitch. Uh, this isn't true. 
And Tether might collapse. I mean, it's, it's a central third party that is breaking a lot of U.S. laws for a long time. Um, so it, it could go to zero at any point. I don't think anyone should hold Tether. This is not a defensive Tether. Um, I think if Tether does collapse, though, it's actually probably bullish for Bitcoin because people will try and escape Tether into Bitcoin. Yes. And there's an argument to be made that... Yeah, I'm trying to think this through. There are less people would have access to Bitcoin that create a liquidity crunch. Well, Tether basically facilitates um, being short on Bitcoin without KYC. Yes. Because you can you can sell your Bitcoin for Tether and not go through KYC, which is what BitMEX facilitated too. And I think BitMEX adding KYC um, and falling from grace is probably part of the reason uh, why we've had this very strong, healthy upward momentum uh, because it's harder for traders to go short without KYC. But Tether also has an element there. So I think if, if, if we saw Tether get shut down or collapse, um, there'd obviously be less avenues for people to go short without like regulated exchanges. That's a very good point. It actually naturally leads us to, to something we have on the list, which is the fact that Coinbase uh, is going to be uh, moonlighting their margin trading products due to the fact that the CFTC reached out to them and said, hey, um, you guys can't be doing this anymore. They cited the CFTC's actual delivery guidance from March. So uh, I didn't even know Coinbase had margin trading. Is it via Coinbase Pro? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, some of the freaks on Twitter wanted us to talk about it, so they, like, tagged us in it. Like, this is irrelevant to the freaks because the freaks shouldn't be using Coinbase, and they definitely shouldn't be margin trading. So, um, I like, I guess it's... I, I, I don't think the CFTC should be stepping in here and stopping exchanges from offering these products. Uh, personally, I think users should have the option to use them if they want to. Uh, but I think you're an idiot if you use them. And I think what people don't realize, um, or they intentionally misinterpret what I say when I say stay humble, is I don't necessarily, like when I say stay humble, I don't mean don't dunk on no corners or people who have talked shit to you over the years as Bitcoin is mooning. What I mean is don't fucking use like lending product, margin products and and leverage and try and time the dips like don't don't fucking do that shit like if 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 you when i say stay humble i mean just you know don't don't overexpose yourself and do a nice long-term accumulation strategy exactly get a plan and stick to it don't let your head get so big that you stray away from that plan to the point where uh, there's actually a detriment to the long-term long-term size and security of your sat stack I mean, we saw otherwise smart Bitcoiners this summer expecting another Bitcoin downturn uh, from 10K. And they have way less Bitcoin right now because of that. They overthought it. They thought they were smarter. Um, they thought they were smarter than everyone else. And they thought they could time a Bitcoin dip. And now they're caught with less sats. And uh, in hindsight, they should have stayed humble. And if, if, you look, if you look back at the Bitcoiners who've lost along the way, almost a like the, the the constant is that they all lacked humility. They all let the they let the ego get to them, um, and it bit them in the ass. Like in, in Bitcoin, you either stay humble or you get humbled. Damn, it's true though. It's true. 
just it's like uh submitting yourself to the ocean uh when you eat shit on a wave you just gotta ragdoll and just submit yourself to uh, the forces of of the bitcoin market you're you're not gonna be able to outsmart it you're not gonna be able to out brute mother nature which is the the monetization of of bitcoin in real time i guess we can go to shout outs now we have four shout outs today and i like them all um oh awesome this one's pretty hilarious yo i fuck with y'all both heavy love the show bring back tftc guides uh stat sats not in that order i had a great time meeting y'all at bitblock boom trying to get on stage next year hashtag uh best rapper on ct with the remaining time i'd like to shout out king colby musical chairs world champ in 14 and 15 it was his birthday a couple days ago and i feel like he needs the extra love happy birthday colby colby Hope you're hope you're living well in this new year of your life. I wonder how old you are. How old do you think this Colby person is, Matthew? I mean, he doxed himself a little bit. He's like early thirties. Um, you know King Kobe, right on on Twitter. Oh, it's for Kobe or Colby. Oh, I think he spelled it wrong. King Kobe, right? Kurt Cobain. Yeah, if it's I mean if, crypto. if it's crypto Cobain. And yeah, you spelled Kobe wrong. It's C O B I E, not C O L B I E. But he didn't sign who this who this freak is who sent the shout out, right? No. He didn't sign his no, name. No, I didn't. Well anyway, cheers freak. It was also good meeting you at Bitblock Boom, presumably. Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, that was the real hundred K party. If you understand. If you understand is right. Matt was uh was a auctioning hero that night. <laughs> that was just such a, it was such a great conference. Shout out to Gary. Looking forward to next year. Love you, Gary. Next shout out. If you are able to share, how are the podcast metrics looking during this bull run? What can we do to help spread the good word of TFTC? Like this shout out. Uh, I am able to share. Podcast metrics are doing very well. I've, I've said this publicly on Twitter. We've had the best download. Uh, we've had like the top four best download weeks over the last I think this is, six weeks. We've had is it Peter McCormick trying to get insight into our numbers. Maybe I don't know. Uh, things are good. Uh, again, uh, TFTC download numbers may be a leading indicator of a Bitcoin bull run. Uh, downloads are up, but we can always use more. So, what can you do to help spread the good word? I guess just tell family and friends. Like we say often, rate review. Uh, subscribe that helps us get visibility on the platforms uh, just take their phone subscribe them to tftc and set up auto download they don't even have to listen <laughs> well we hope they listen we don't want fake numbers we want real engagement <laughs> this is uh yeah so actually something adam carey said he, he said he doesn't even look at the stats it never has they just know what a boss. Via the engagement that people are listening. And I like to think we have that, that peace of mind, too. Thank you, Freaks, for engaging with us uh, in many mediums. The the TFTC tribe is growing. We're above 60. I can officially say dozens. There's dozens of us in there. Uh, and I've been saying it. It's a sticky app. I like listening to podcasts and contributing to podcasters via the app. 
Have you have you made it your podcasting uh, app yet? Sphinx. No, I don't like. I don't like that you can't download in it. What was that? It's only streaming. Yeah, you can only stream it. It's true. Like I like I like pre-downloading my podcasts on Wi-Fi and then listening. But I I used it for one episode. I actually listened to the Adam Curry episode through it uh, because I thought it was it was like offensive not to. Um, and that was a great episode. And I I think I think the interface is slick as fuck. Like the it's it's there. I really like how in the Sphinx Tribe, um, you can link to the direct part of the of of the pod that you liked and then share it in the tribe so everyone can get that native clip out like right away. Yeah, and get that clip, have a discussion about it. I really like the interactive like freaks adding to the conversation of the podcast as they're listening to it. And then having a side fractal conversation off of that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I dig it. Um last shout out of the week. Marty and Matt have a Marty and Matt have a cuck mentality. Love Vic. Well, Vic, fuck you. That's all I gotta say. Love you, Vic. Cheers. I love you too, I'm Kevin. Happy Thanksgiving to all the freaks. Happy Thanksgiving. There's a lot to be thankful for. Twenty twenty has been a very uh, trying year, very hectic year. It's all that, though. There's still many things to be thankful for. You're alive. You're breathing. You're able to listen to this podcast. Bitcoin exists. Bitcoin's pumping. Bitcoin is pumping. But more importantly, it exists. And it is uh, providing hope for, for a better future. And I am thankful that the protocol exists. Uh, because without it, there would be little hope for, for an alternative to uh, the crazy world. Uh, that is barreling towards dystopia and digital panopticon export it to the whole world extremely grateful for bitcoiners fighting the good fight yes there's more than that was like the one i mean i always knew based off of having observed him talk about and interact with bitcoin over the years but it was extremely impressive to see just how thorough of an understanding Adam Curry has of Bitcoin, the technology, exactly what's happening under the hood. And the fact that he's extremely optimistic because of Bitcoin, somebody who is a pioneer in the podcasting world, which is Matt and I talk about a lot, like one of the last truly open content mediums that enables free speech and to have adam who is a pioneer in that industry uh see a lot of parallels between what's going on at bitcoin now in the early days of podcasting is extremely encouraging to say the least yeah bullish as fuck yeah what do you think about microstrategy trying to add data products uh you know, I uh, hopefully he does not intend to create a chain analysis competitor. Right. Uh, we'll see. I mean, there's two ways you can go with the uh, Bitcoin data products, right? You can go the surveillance route, which is what chain analysis and elliptic went, or you can go um, the open analytics route, which is like what Coinmetrics and Glassnode went. Um, and I think the major difference between the two is 
targeting individual users versus looking at trends as a whole and also open access to the platform. So with both CoinMetrics and Glassnode, uh, a regular user can have access to it and they both have free products available. Um, with Chain Analysis and Elliptic, it costs like $200,000 and you have to be like manually approved uh, to be part of the, like, the cuck army. So like uh, that that's the two major distinctions and, and we'll see where he goes with this, but people should be um, vigilant in general. I know it's somewhat blasphemous to talk bad about Giga Chad Michael Saylor, but I think he's... His comments about Bitcoin not being used as a currency didn't really make sense to me. Um, trying to pigeonhole Bitcoin as a treasury asset that sits on the balance sheet. Especially considering what we're seeing going on with uh, the podcasting world lightning just seems a bit... Uh, I don't want to say out of touch, but not appreciating the whole um, the whole utility that Bitcoin provides. Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is different things to different people, and that's okay. Like, uh, like it doesn't have to be the same thing for everybody. Um, I just think, you know, like no one, you know, no no one should be held to a standard that is that no one's critical of, right? In the Bitcoin world, in just general, not even just in Bitcoin. Um, no, no one is is beyond criticism, us included. Um, so, like, you know, people should just. Uh, just be vigilant, be aware, and and use your own judgment uh, when analyzing these types of things. Um, but I think overall, he's a major net benefit to the space. Oh, completely agree. Uh, if you compare him to someone like like a Novogratz or like a, a, some of these other big players, or like the Winklevosses or Raul Paul, uh, his he's he's on the he's on the on the right track. Uh, he's, he's, he's closer, he's closer to the right track than we've seen historically from a lot of these, these big guys. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in Bitcoin data specifically, I'm pretty sure MicroStrategy is looking for people, engineers specifically, can help them build out Bitcoin data products. Hopefully it is for, uh, highlighting and illustrating trending data instead of uh, uh, attempting to identify and snitch on individual Bitcoin users. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, gold seems to be, uh, gold funds at least, are, are seeing outflows as Bitcoin is pumping. Gold and Bitcoin seem to be diverging in price this week particularly. It's only a one-week time frame. Don't want to draw too many long-term trends towards that, but a lot of people are are highlighting this this week specifically. Uh, is Bitcoin uh, demonetizing gold in real time? Matt, what are your thoughts? Gold is a shitcoin. The world's waking up. A lot of gold bugs get really pissed, especially a lot of the gold bugs who are also Bitcoiners. Um. Josh, Josh Crum, shout out to Josh, friend of the program, specifically is uh, defending gold. And a lot of people were highlighting that, that thread, I forget the dude's name, Travis something, I believe, who was trying to describe Bitcoin as a negative yielding bond, um, a negative yielding asset. 
due to the fact. I just ignored that threat. Yeah. I mean, I think it was wrong. I think an individual had a uh, misunderstanding of, of how mining operations actually work and the decisions miners make and how they decide to sell Bitcoin and when. I mean, I think one of the single, you know, most bullish metrics of, of Bitcoin is that it's only 3% of the market cap of gold. Um, like, so you don't even have to believe that it's better than gold, which it is. Um, what if it gets like 20% of the market cap of gold? Like, like it doesn't have to be um, better to gold than to have like massive upside in comparison to gold's current valuation. Um, obviously, I think that it's better than gold. So then you're talking um, over 100% should be the actual number eventually because it's not going to just gobble up gold's valuation. It's going to gobble up other store value assets as well, like real estate. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's like the, not the final boss, but it's it's up there at one of the higher level bosses. I would say, hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what, what first, like the people start, ditching houses for bitcoin first or gold for bitcoin james o'burn fellow beefy bitcoin boy friend of the pod he had a thread this week talking about liquidating some of his gold holdings for bitcoin described the process uh, which he needed to to uh, move his bullion and liquidate that and get the funds wired to his account weeks long at this point still going on from what i understand um, that's just one anecdotal data point of of an individual dumping gold for bitcoin specifically yeah i mean it's significantly easier than it's significantly more liquid than real estate though um right and i so i i imagine you know it's it's easier like it's easier to 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 go from gold to bitcoin uh and if you have paper products of either then obviously it's it's you get additional liquidity it's significantly easier if you have a paper gold product uh you know not your bars, not your gold, but if you have a paper gold product or a paper real estate like REIT or something, um, I mean, you can liquidate that with a couple of presses of uh, the button. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I think gold will go first and then we'll start showing up real estate, art markets, a bunch of other things. Yeah, try selling art. Like, that's not a liquid at all. Yeah. No, it's crazy because that store value market in the form of gold, real estate, and art, is something that Bitcoin could take over. But then, like you have the whole base money and money stock addressable market as well, from the currency perspective. Um, just consolidating all that into one total addressable market, massive, massive, um, multiple multitudes, multiples, excuse me, of many multiples of gold's current market cap at the moment. If it is to be successful, we shall see if it will be. But yeah, um, I feel for the gold bug Bitcoiners who get butthurt about Bitcoiners saying that, that Bitcoin is going to take over gold. But it does seem inevitable when you compare the two. Um, a lot will fall back on the jewelry and historical Lindy argument. But when you have a step function improvement in the utility that that good is supposed to provide in the form of Bitcoin, it's hard to deny that the market's not going to choose that as the way in which it decides to store and move value. 
Hundred percent. I don't think it's priced in yet. Right. Um, a few software updates this week. Very light. It was a short week and a holiday short week. Short week, holiday week. BISC version 1.5.0 has been released. And since it's a short software update le- uh, week, we'll read some of the release notes. Uh, SegWit, int- we got SegWit. SegWit is finally implemented. Um, so BEC32 addresses, uh, you can now send and receive to them, um, which is beautiful. Thank you for uh, being good custodians of on-chain uh, data usage, BISC. They want to give a special thanks to you. They traded some. Excuse me. They traded some improvements. Uh, they made some improvements to their trading, uh, new payment methods, a bunch of stuff. So, version one point five point zero. If you're using BISC, you can upgrade that. Start using SegWit addresses. Bitcoin Wallet Tracker version zero point two point zero from Shesik has been released uh, for you freaks. Uh, who do not recall what Bitcoin Wallet Tracker is? It is an Electrum plugin that allows you to connect to Core, um, so that you can use your own full node to track addresses and pull addresses and transactions from your full node instead of depending on an Electrum server. I think this is probably the best way to use Electrum in connecting to to a full node instead of a server. Yeah, a complete game changer. I mean, running a dedicated Electrum server is a, a major hurdle for most people, um, which is one of the reasons why I like Spectre, because you just skip it completely. But Bitcoin Wallet Tracker is a is a, is a nice option there if you're already comfortable with Electrum um, or if you need, you know, some of those those few features that Electrum has that, that uh, Spectre does not have. Um, on to, just to go back to BISC for a second, they added Amazon gift cards as a payment method on the fiat side, which I thought was interesting. I, I like I, I don't really have a take. I just you know thought thought that was interesting. Yeah, I saw the discussion about that on Twitter. People trying to think of ways to make that extremely private, potentially buying them on BitRefill first. Uh, but then you're using Bitcoin or using Fold to buy them, getting Sats back. I think you. I mean, I think you could buy Amazon gift cards like for with for cash at Target, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I have them. Make a checkout. I don't know. There, there's something there. I thought it was interesting. I, I, I think it's just funny. Like, um, it just goes to show like how shitty our fiat transfer methods are. That like using like a private company's gift card is like a, a reasonable option. Yeah, if you freaks want to go learn more about that, I would go read Matt Alborg's. Uh, some of Matt Alborg's work around that specifically in the P2P exchange world in LATAM uh, in Africa, the I think Africa more specifically, the uh, gift cards are used as a, as a medium of exchange. I believe it's Amazon, uh, Steam, the gaming site, and uh, a couple others are, are like the most liquid. It's a pretty big drop off. I think iTunes is on there as well. It's pretty fascinating to see how humans adapt to um, illiquid or hyperinflated monetary regimes. Lightning Labs announced Auto Loop uh, Lightning Liquidity. So I believe this is just a way to automate 
loop and channel, uh, channel rebalancing, excuse me, which is pretty cool. Set it, forget it. Yeah, it seems like a pretty big feature. Um, because, you know, I mean, channel rebalancing should be easier. And I, I think I think these are like the type of tools that we need to see implemented um, in order to have like a healthy, independent routing node environment. You know, we don't want to, we've talked about this on the pod previously. We don't want just like these professional routing nodes that are regulated, dominating the entire network. I mean, they're, they're going to probably dominate that network, but we need to have like these independent Tor only nodes that are, you know, parallel to them and a major aspect of the network. And we won't see that unless there's easy tools, easy open source tools uh, for these these node operators to be able to to balance their channels and um, manage their liquidity without like having to go to like you know without having like business relationships with people. Yeah, and just operationally like eliminating the friction around actually having to exactly. think about channel rebalancing and act on it by clicking some buttons and putting some numbers in. The more you can obfuscate that and automate it, the better for utility and then as a result, liquidity. Because more people will use it if it's more useful and uh, easier to use, importantly. Uh, so this is great to see. Lightning Labs on fire recently. Um, shout out to the... Yeah, so I mean like... What I but when I try and like visualize this, right? Like, what am I thinking? I'm thinking like you you create a Tor only routing node. Maybe you have like five or six big channels going outbound. Um, then you then you use uh, the 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 pool their liquidity pool market, uh, Lightning Pool, uh, to get some inbound liquidity from a, a major routing node. So you, you start off with some inbound liquidity, and then you set up um, the this auto this this auto loop to just keep your channels balanced at all times. Yeah. It seems reasonable enough. Like if you had that all like integrated into something like RTL or Thunderhub or something. and Yeah. It seems massive too from the usability perspective. So I need to get my hands dirty with all this stuff more. I haven't, I haven't fucked with lightning pool yet for as much as I've been talking about it. I've not interactive. Well, it's still command line only. Yeah. That's why like Lightning Labs has been shipping so quickly that uh, RTL and Thunderhub and and these these nice GUIs we have for node operators just haven't integrated any of these new features yet. <laughs> in time, in time, it will get out there. Um, last thing we have on the list, something I wrote about yesterday. Good friend of the podcast, Leo Zhang, from Anitra Research, he uh, released another part in his Hash Power. Uh, anatomy of hash power series uh, called the intelligent Bitcoin miner part one and basically um, just attempted to uh, explain that miners should view the handling of hash rate hash power as Leo likes to refer to it as uh, like a portfolio so using your machines and taking into consideration uh, what generation machine it is the the price of your power production uh, the um, hash rate on the network at the given point in time, the price at the given point in time. So basically helping miners develop a mindset to, to treat their hash rate like a portfolio. And then uh, this paper attempts to highlight the the actual fair value of the individual mining machines 
um, and the average price to see which machines are overpriced and underpriced and uh, attempting to teach miners or tell miners that, hey, maybe you should look at these trends and try to time this out and uh, run your operations accordingly. I thought it was very insightful. Um, some of the best mining material put out in quite a while in terms of trying to visualize the the dynamics of the market and, and how individual operators can can view a path towards profitability. Yeah, I mean Leo and the whole team over there are fucking legends. Um, so everyone should should definitely be following their blog. Um, I don't. It's cr- do they have RSS? I'm not positive. They might. Um, they have a newsletter. I believe they do. Yeah, they do. So you, if you if you want to follow it, you can sign up for their newsletter. They probably have RSS hidden somewhere there. Um, if a freak finds it, post a link in the comments for us. Um, in terms of hash rate, in terms of mining, um, our boy Storms uh, officially announced that he's he's joined you guys at GAM, um, which I think is like a was a poorly kept secret. I, I, I didn't even have any inside information and I was pretty sure he was already with you guys over there. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's um, had it in his profile. Yeah. Right. His bio okay. for some time. No, he's, I mean, he's, so I'm not crazy. He's officially on full time now. Um, um, so that's extremely awesome news, uh, both for you guys and for storms and for Bitcoin. Uh, I think everyone there's benefits from that, that relationship. He's fucking a boss. Um, he had a tweet thread about, I guess he has like this gas to hash calculator. Um, and basically like the idea is like these, these gas producers, like you can calculate how much, you know, mining revenue you'd get compared to selling it like on the market based on the spot market price. Yeah. It's- and it's four and a half times what the normal revenue would be for most of these producers, even for non-waste. Like you talk about waste all the time, but even for non-waste, it'd be four and a half times. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. It's pretty insane. Um, when you compare it to Henry Hub prices, particularly, which is a pipeline in the southeast section of the United States and is uh, one of the benchmarks used for natural gas pricing. Um, and, yeah, so the opportunity cost, that's the reason we released the gas-to-hash calculators to help producers illustrate and visualize the opportunity cost of either flaring, venting, or selling that that gas to a pipeline uh depends each every producer has a different situation different prices they really get gas for within a certain range um but yeah we back tested that data using s9s and during the 2017 bull run at the height of that the multiple was like 12 to 13x or something like that it's insane it's fucking insane yeah i mean the abundance of natural is massive yeah um, so Austin's been working on that calculator for a few weeks. We've been riffing back and forth. Um, and we're, we were pumped to launch it yesterday, uh, with the new website. I mean, so we're hoping like, yeah, if you're in the oil and gas industry or you know somebody that is, uh, Thanksgiving tip, if you're home uh, and you got family members in the oil and gas industry and they're shitting on Bitcoin, just be like, Hey, how much, how much MCFD are you, are you flaring on site? And they'll be like, oh, well, be like, hey, look, look how much money that would make you if you would actually just use that to mine Bitcoin. But 
but this is crazy to me because like the flaring makes sense, right? The flaring is 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 literally negative revenue. They they cost them money. They're making nothing from it, and they have to go out of their way to flare it, right? And they're only doing it because of regulation. So that's like pure profit. That makes complete sense to me. But this idea that it it's four and a half times uh, actually selling it, or even if it was like two times, like even you know, let's say it's a you want to be conservative with it, and let's say your numbers are a little bit aggressive. Um, and it's like double the amount you can make mining Bitcoin versus selling it on the open market. Like that's fucking massive. That's crazy. And uh, to to all our efficient market hypothesis freaks out there, like why the fuck is that not priced in yet? Like that's supposed to be. It should it should be the exact same revenue if if this market was actually efficient. Right. And we've uh, we've had conversations with middle rights owners. Basically, the dynamics of the oil markets are such, particularly in Texas, where mineral rights owners, they own the land, but they let operators come in and extract the oil and put it through a pipeline, sell it to market. And the mineral rights owner gets a royalty, typically like 12.5%, um, just in a, in a royalty track straight off the revenue of the oil and gas that's pulled out the ground under them and, and sold to market. Um, you can get that in the form of royalty check at 12.5%, or you could take that gas in kind. So instead of having the operator sell it to a pipeline, you can say, hey, once you get that gas out of the ground, like actually give it to us, we want to consume it. And we've had conversations with mineral rights owners that are thinking about doing that instead of selling that gas to, to the grid, which is which people are starting to make a move on what you just described. It is, I mean, it's crazy how profitable it is and yeah we'll see adam carrie and i talked about this as well like that's it's just a stepping stone towards nuclear once you become as efficient as possible with all the the waste gas and uh, mispriced undervalued energy in the world you're going to move towards nuclear and um, more cleaner forms of energy after the oil markets but yeah if you're a producer want to see how much hash your gas can produce and how much bitcoin that will mine you and uh, how much u.s dollar that could potentially be liquidated in into if you don't want to hold the bitcoin uh gam.ai gas to hash capital. it's also the uh you said nuclear it's also the first time we've ever had a direct financial incentive for someone to figure out fusion yeah um it's there you know so if it's going to happen it'll happen because of bitcoin yeah we get a dog in the room. Yeah, my my dog wants to walk, so we should wrap it up here. Oh, all right. Let's get some good final tips out there to the freaks for Thanksgiving. I think you just say Bitcoin is inevitable, right? And don't argue. You know, I don't argue. Just be like, Bitcoin's inevitable. You either believe me, you don't. I'm gonna go count my sats upstairs and enjoy your dinner, heathens. Bitcoin, Bitcoin's the best money we've ever had. Um, you know, people will naturally go for good money over bad money. Um, as people realize that the price should rise and regardless if the price rises or not, uh, global access to good money is a worthy fight that people should want to be a part of. I agree. I agree. I've been a little tongue in cheek with my tips today. Um, do we also on a more practical point of view, it seems like this run so far has been dominated by by u.s markets um 
So for whatever it is, like we probably will be flattish over the holiday weekend um, between Thursday and Sunday uh, because markets, U.S. markets will be closed. And those traders haven't realized yet that you could trade Bitcoin uh, 24-7. And then the run will continue most likely next week. Um, But who knows? You know, maybe maybe we see a blast through 20K this weekend. I think it's probably more likely next week. But either way, I think one of the things that few people really understand is that Bitcoin's already broken all-time highs. Like this, we've never, in 2017, when we were at this price level, we weren't really at this price level. It was just a, you know, flash in the pan. Um, I think someone posted on Twitter that's the first time ever in Bitcoin history that we've spent five days over $18,000. So for all intents and purposes, we're at all-time high. We broke all-time high, and we've been breaking it for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, block heights at all time high too right now. <laughs> Always. Um, yeah. Stay the path. Things are happening. I'm very bullish right now. Uh, I'm actually very surprised to see the the amount of quality development getting done right now, and the quality of products being launched, considering the price run in the last few months. Uh, that's usually one thing that happens is you rip into a bear market or excuse me a bull market is people can't concentrate. That's one thing I'm going to work on hard this run. Is, is concentrating better so that we produce good quality content here at TFTC. I'm really excited to see how it plays out week by week, having having this going during the bull market. Yeah. Uh, it should be a fun one. Um, <laughs> you know, I love all the freaks. Grateful for all of you. Grateful for all the Bitcoiners. Um, stay humble. Show lightly. Do not, you do not need to convince Uncle, you know, Uncle Joe or, or Uncle Jim or whatever uh, that, that Bitcoin's not a Ponzi. Like if he still believes it's a Ponzi, like let him believe it. It's fine. Just enjoy your time with your family and be grateful for that. Yes. Do not take any of my advice from this podcast. Do not curse at your aunts and uncles. Do not flip tables. Do not run upstairs and count sats. Just enjoy your time with your family. Thank you guys for joining this rip. Uh, like Matt said, I want to echo. We're very grateful for, whatever the hell it is we're doing here uh, and, and the engagement we have with you freaks, it, it really does bring joy to our lives and uh, it's a pleasure uh, being able to speak uh, to you freaks week in and week out and have you come back and, and interact with us. So thank you. Uh, no matter where you are in the world, I hope you enjoy uh, your Thursday, tomorrow, your Thanksgiving, or in the U.S., your Thanksgiving, but enjoy your day. Um, be a good person. Peace and love. Okay.